What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Claire and Renzo Martinez. What's poppin'? What is poppin'? We are here with another Second Print Comics episode, this edition being SPC Pop, where we look at whatever the heck we want in pop culture. This week, it's going to be whatever we want. Who is that? Who is that voice? You would know if you're watching the video version of this podcast, you would already see that it is, in fact, my partner in comic book crime, Remzo W. I haven't said the W in a while. There is a W in there that you can either use or not. Um, I think he's been veering away from it since like 2004 or so, but I'm bringing the W back. Remzo W. W. Martinez. What's up? It's all about one thing, nuclear proliferation, mm-hmm. prolip, prolip, proliferation. Well, fool me yeah. once. You know what I'm saying? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. You can't fool me again. But Remzo, speaking of fooling me again, maybe this will be a, a subject uh, of what we discussed today because we're going to be discussing the third iteration of Paul Rudd's Ant-Man film. Now, before we get into uh, this review, first, I'm going to say one thing. This will be a spoiler-filled review. We are not going to hold back. We are not going to hide any plot points or key information, post-credit scenes. It's all going to be out there. So if you are someone who hasn't seen the movie yet and also someone who really cares about what happens in the movie, which I doubt are the same person, because if you really care, you probably have already seen it, um, or you just want to hear us talk about it and are fine to be spoiled, This is all up to you, but we're giving you the information. So if you do care about being spoiled at all for Ant-Man Quantumania, you can leave right now. Okay. Bye. That's my my premise. Before we get into the movie, though, Remzo, uh, you want a house house clean, housekeep, whatever it's called? Where can people go to see this? For example, they could see it live. They could have already seen it live. You're going to be hearing this. um, This happened in the past if you're a public person. But if you're someone, one of our wonderful patrons, you might have already... You might be watching it right now. 
And you might be getting so much more for as little as $5 a month. You can go ahead and join the collective, the kingdom, the empire itself, the second print comics fan zone. It's our private fan group over on Facebook. You join that. You go ahead and get access to a slew of new episodes that are exclusive only to patrons, such as Mark's tale from the fuck it piles case of the runs. And now we went ahead and brought back Remzo versus the DCU. I went ahead and dropped Remzo versus the DCU man of steel. Recently, one of the most controversial of the Snyder era films. I went ahead and dropped that. You can catch new episodes of those every Sunday, as well as new releases like Mark just went ahead and brought up. Next week, I'm going over and I'm picking up some hardcover graphic novels I'm sending to a $25 and up epic crossover level patrons. So that way you let me go ahead and pimp out your collection for you. And if you want to go ahead and produce episodes of the show, like we've done recently where we covered the woke furry freaky guardians, of the galaxy of the future of the nineties. Yeah, that's a mouthful right there. Or a town called terror brought to you by our epic patronage, uh, supporting patrons, producers, Eric and Jeffrey, you can go ahead and jump on that for 50 smackers a month. So you can be as involved in this madness as you want to for as little as you want or as, as much as you want to get in on the fun at patreon.com slash second print pod. Well, this is all true. And uh, yeah, speaking of which, speaking of good old Jeffrey, because we did go on hiatus for a few months and because people like Jeffrey, people like Eric stuck through, they kept sending those checks. They don't send physical checks. They do it through Patreon, but that, maybe someday we can take physical checks, maybe get a PO Just box. Just frame them. Neither here nor there. Um, yeah. But um, they kept supporting us, so we have some making up to do. We're supposed to do these episodes every three months, but we missed about three or four months, and they were already owed one as we were going into that, so we're, we're playing a little catch-up. So just like that, even though Jeffrey just sent us down to those woke uh, woke 90s Guardians of the Future, uh, we're going to be shit. looking at another book from him next week uh, known as The Mask, which he actually, speaking of pipping out your collection, as you can do uh, by joining the Kirby Club, uh, or no, it's actually the Epic Cross. See, there's so many levels, so many layers. I always forget which is which so epic, much fun for the epic crossover level remzo and i will pimp out your collection but apparently at a higher level which jeffrey is at he pimps out our collection and i'm not sure how that makes any sense but jeffrey is our highest supporting level patron at the infinity gauntlet level and he sent each of us the mask i think it's the mask omnibus which i i i just like picked it up the other night and i'm i'm already way past where we're supposed to review because i'm i'm preview spoiler i'm fucking loving it some wild shit. That's my that's my preview. That's I, my I had, looked, preview. I had looked at that at one point in the high school, compared it to the Jim Carrey movie, and was like, "This is not the same, but it's the same level of awesome." I'll yeah, leave it at that for sure. It definitely shed some light on the movie's adaptation, but whatever. We'll get to that in that review today. We're going to review another film, not The Mask. Unfortunately, not The Mask because The Mask is freaking awesome. We're going to be reviewing Ant Man Three: Quantum Mania. Uh, I think maybe we'll tackle this similarly to how we did Wakanda Forever. We're not going to necessarily do a a uh, point by point, scene by scene plot breakdown. We're just going to generally discuss the movie, and I do have some sort of talking points to go off of. Um, What's the best place to start? Why don't we start with things that I think we'll both be positive about before we get into some areas that maybe we'll disagree on? We'll see. Um, I think we can probably both agree, at least acting-wise, what do you think of Jonathan Majors fully as Kang? We already saw him once in the Loki series as He Who Remains, but now that you have seen him in all of his Kang the Conqueror glory, what is your impression of this casting? He is uh, he's the perfect casting for Kang. Um, when they Remzo, at- you're not mad that he's black? <laughs> I mean, Kang was blue. So, I mean, well, depending well, he's on... He's a white guy in the blue armor, depending on your timeline. But yes, I... 
it doesn't matter in this in it, this it, case. It, it really doesn't matter. Um, I I thought he was great when he came on the scene in Loki season one as he who remains. I thought it was a good performance, but I really found myself asking. It's like, do I see this guy as Kang? How close are those characters going to be? And and they could not be more remotely different. And I think that only says something about his uh, his depth as an actor. He could play variants to a large degree where he who remains and Kang could not be more different than one another. And, um, you know, I, I'm I'm excited because. My big question going into this film was, could Kang be an Avengers level threat? Yes and no. And I, I don't mean that to downgrade it. But what, I'm, what I will say as we get into this is I think there's a lot more to be seen. And I mean that in the best way possible because I want to see more from Jonathan Majors. Yeah, and I, I think they certainly cast him for his range, knowing that he wasn't just going to be playing one guy one time. He was going to be playing literally in the, in the case of the post credit scene, which we can sort of include in this conversation, like thousands of Every versions king, of the this council guy. of kings. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, to me, in a way, he actually seems like a better Kang than than the Marvel comics, because depending on what books you read, um, Kang has his moments where he can seem pretty darn cheesy, uh, especially when he's like a Rama Tut or what have you in the, the Silver Age books. Um, but this Kang does carry a certain level of gravitas to him. And, I, and just in terms of his acting ability, I mean, if you didn't know because of the storyline or what have you, that there are different versions of the same character and it wasn't the same actor, you wouldn't necessarily even be able to tell that he who remains and Kang the Conqueror that we see in this film are the same are the same person because they are played so differently, even though they are actually the same character or different versions of the same character. Um, just the way he conveyed the personality, like he who remains was almost like this whimsical, like I've seen it all. I, I, while we're dealing with this serious thing about timelines, I'm he almost, he almost kind of seemed like a, not a court gesture, but he seemed like so above it all that he, he came across as not serious, but I mean that in a good way. Whereas Kang, this version of Kang, the conqueror is decidedly serious about what he's here to do, which is get the fuck out of the, quantum realm yeah so this is actually the first movie uh the first mcu movie i've seen with my wife uh in theaters together since guardians of the galaxy volume two so it's been a minute um so she was she i mean she she had to catch up a little bit a lot a, not a little bit a lot but um you know she she came up with a good comparison compared to he who remains you know who is more of a you know as you put it a whimsical creature she she basically echoed that she said that kang feels like darth vader and there were certainly some points in this film where it was like, shit, this guy's not not messing around. Um, I'll go ahead and state right now that um, I didn't dislike this movie. I'm just strongly mad about it. But what I will say is you that seem to in our private conversations, you seemed very up on it when you first left the theater. I, I am. I am up on it compared to a lot of the other stuff we've seen. I, I enjoyed it. I could actually say I would watch this again. And. This is my favorite of the three Ant-Man movies. What I will also Well, you hated the first Ant-Man. I hate the I first Ant-Man. Yeah. I, I feel like none of the other Ant-Man movies have carried any gravity to them. I felt like the only time he really mattered was as a plot device in Avengers Endgame. This movie actually, you know, I, I think did it right. It did not feel like the other Ant-Man films. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, you know, but it was primarily because of, you know, Jonathan Majors. He felt like a villain who could actually like take the humor out of some scenes 
and you know make it seem like it was impactful. So for that, I think this is the first example in a while where the villain has made the hero's movie better. Yeah, I think as a villain, he did a good job. I don't know if we want to talk about the end of the movie or not. Now, um, it's all you know. What we may as well because we're we're not we're not going in order. Fuck Kang's it. not going in order. He's jumping from timeline to timeline. So why the heck should we? Um, did did you think because apparently there were different versions of this ending that were done? Did you think it made sense introducing a big bad as Kang? Yes, he is already in Loki, but this is really the first fully fleshed out version of Kang that we're seeing. Did you think it makes sense to essentially have him be defeated? Now, we can argue about whether he's really dead or not. Maybe that we'll talk about where this movie might go at the end. Um, but did you think it made sense for him essentially to be defeated by who previously, other than his plot device uh, in, um, you know, in, in Endgame, was basically just a joke character who's all he can really do is get small and big? I'm really glad you asked this because this is another opportunity for a plug. Last week, we went ahead and had our February uh, Journey in the Mystery call for the $15 and up patrons. We had about four people on that call, and we asked the same question. And here's my answer that I told those fans. I went ahead and told them that I do still, while I see it now, while I can accept that Kang was introduced in an Ant-Man movie and was subsequently defeated by Ant-Man, I would never have put him as the villain for Ant-Man. I made the case that if I could have redone this movie, and maybe this is a future Remzo versus the MCU episode, I think we'll have to see how this phase kind of works out. I would not have brought in Kang. However, I would have brought in somebody who could be seen as a Kang equivalent. I would have brought in Psycho Man. I don't know if I would have stuck it in the quantum realm. I would have stuck it in the negative zone. I would have maybe even included Annihilus instead of Modoc. So I would have still had maybe a couple, you know, B-list, C-list villains who are on the same stature as Kang in the comics. But I would not have picked Kang, especially knowing how they want to have him for this entire multiverse saga. So I would have placed him against Psycho Man. I would have placed him against Annihilus. And I also would have done one thing, and this was also one of the uh, endings that is still a bit refuted, but I thought going into this, especially since we were going to see the introduction of his daughter, Cassie Lang, as stature, knowing that the Avengers are disassembled, knowing that they have been inching towards a potential Young Avengers series or movie, I would have had them kill Ant-Man. I would have had him fight the villain, have it be either Kang in this case or in my you know, fictional realm in my head, uh, Psycho Man, I would have had them kill Scott as he's trying to save his daughter, Hope, uh, Hank and Janet. And I would have had that be kind of the setting stage for there are no Avengers anymore. We need the young Avengers. Cassie is inspired. And Cassie, along with Kate Bishop, is along with, um, you know, uh, Isaiah Bradley, who we saw teased in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I would have had them starting to form the young Avengers to fill that void. So I would have had an Ant-Man sacrifice akin to that of what we saw in Avengers Disassemble going back to 2003, 2004. Yeah, it did seem like the film was almost written to 
to potentially end that way, which I believe I believe one of the endings were that Scott and um and uh, Janet Van Dyne, Janet or Hope Van Dyne get yeah, actually get stuck in the quantum verse, sort of sacrificing in a way themselves to Kang, but then because they're just stuck, obviously leaves it open for them to come back. Um, in a, in a sense, in terms of the the film itself, I think it would have made sense for Scott. I mean, it almost seemed like that was what was going to happen in that last scene where he sticks behind uh, to stop Kang from getting through there, um, back into the uh, the real world i guess or out into the multiverse or wherever he was gonna uh fly off to it seemed like especially because he is just kind of a normal guy now so is kang i guess he's sort of they're both sort of normal guys in terms of their abilities just normal guys with technology that serves them um but it just it bothered me that that while kang was shown as a serious threat he was also not when convenient. Like he, when he finally came out and started unleashing his powers and just like blasting away everybody, I kind of enjoyed that. Like I was like, all right, pretty metal. Kang has said, fuck it. I'm going to destroy everybody. Fuck it. And then he comes upon, uh, Ant-Man wasp and whatever we're calling Cassie. And he just stops. He just stops and is like, oh, I'm now being confronted by the heroes, so I'm going to talk instead of fighting. Whereas, I mean, he should have just blasted them, too, and they'd all be dead because that was clearly what he could have done with his power. So maybe it's just, you know, it's just Nick. Well, it's Marvel movie writing. It's hero moving writing. I get it. I get I get how it works. Um, But it just it felt like there was just a little bit of just um, something off with with how Kang was presented because he wasn't even presented necessarily all that intelligently. Like we saw that he had ruled the quantum verse for all this time. So we know that he was able to basically take this whole place over or a section of it over. Um, that's the other thing that bothered me since, since we're just going to transition here and there to things. Um, this whole sort of subplot with the, the freedom fighters in the quantum verse, like, I hated it. Every everything about all of them. I'm about what, to give you another reason I hate except it. Except Broccoli Man. I was okay with I like Broccoli Man. I like Broccoli Man too. Yeah. It, it, here's my criticism of everything from Ant-Man and the Wasp to this Ant-Man movie. Realistically, I think I like Ant-Man and the Wasp better. That might be a controversial opinion, but I actually, I actually like that movie a, quite a bit uh, in terms of just like a turn off my brain. This doesn't connect too much to the other stuff uh, movie. I like I can rewatch that movie and pretty much enjoy it. I'm not sure how much I'll enjoy a rewatch of this. Some time remains to be seen. This is everything primarily involving the quantum realm, Janet Van, uh, Janet Van Dyne or Janet Pym, whatever they call her. And um, this movie is really coming from like three issues of Brian Michael Bendis Avengers series from 2013. It's primarily coming from that in which they kill in the comics, Janet Van Dyne, the wasp sacrificed herself at the, in the very last in the seventh or eighth issue of secret invasion. During that time, she got trapped in the quantum realm. Fast forward, like seven years later, they go ahead and bring her back as this freedom fighter who's fighting this oppressive ruler in the quantum realm. And the Avengers bring her back into the real world. And now the Wasp is back again. So basically everything that they have done with Janet and the quantum realm has come from like a couple of issues of a Brian Michael Bendis Avengers run that doesn't really have much to do with Ant-Man because Hank Pym was only in like one of those issues. So it, I, I, I don't like the fact that they're focusing on, on such narrow of, a, of source material. We're not talking a volume. We're not talking a storyline. We're not talking years. We're talking 
a very, very small arc from an Avengers run that nobody really read because Bendis was getting out ready to leave Marvel and, uh, uh, you know, move over to DC around that time. He had just been wrapping up on Ironheart and all his other bullshit series that he kind of shoved out the last couple of years at Marvel. And that's where these writers tend to pull that from. So when I went ahead and saw like, you know, the resistance and that Janet had led this and everything, I'm like, really, is this what we're pulling from? There's so many other stories we could pull from. And this is one reason why I was kind of upset with the fact that, you know, hope Van Dyne was, is a completely made up character for the MCU. They went ahead and come, came up with a version that they shoved into the comics through the dumbest way possible by having her be the biological daughter of Hank Pym, but also being the adopted daughter of Janet, who is a kid and is more of Scott's sidekick. So that's kind of weird. But they completely neglected all the Hank Pym stuff. And I said from the get go, I think we can say this. And I think I think we talked about this like years ago in early episodes when we discussed Ant-Man. I don't think it should have been Scott Lang. I think it either should have been from the get go. It should have been Hank Pym or it should have been Eric O'Grady, the irredeemable Ant-Man. I think what they tried you to love do that with guy, this, that guy. From I think one, that's my favorite. Ant-Man. I think this um, this conglomerate of things is kind of loose. I don't like the fact that they're just focusing in on a couple stuff. Um, this this felt like a service movie. This felt like a movie that's a filler film to kind of lead into other things. It's the Pirates of the Caribbean 2 of the MCU. We've had a couple of those movies already, but this, I can't really stick it out of that range. Well, this is, I think, officially the the launch of Phase 5. Yeah. So uh, in theory, it's supposed to you know, start setting the tone. I guess that's what bothers me. Again, to go back to sort of the ending, it's like, imagine if, what's, what's the first movie of Phase 2? Do you know? I don't even know. The first movie of Phase 2 it was Iron Man, Iron Man 3. 3. Or was it really? I mean, maybe a bad example. Yeah, yeah no, fuck it. Yeah. Let's use the example. What if I? What if at the end of Iron Man three, uh, Thanos is defeated? <laughs> but he's gonna he's gonna come back in a different version later, you know. But Thanos Thanos is defeated. Tony Stark like outsmarts him without the Iron Man. Yeah, that's actually perfect. Tony Stark defeats Thanos without the Iron Man suit. That's about the same power difference there should be from Ant Man to Kang. And then you and then you're gonna. Tell us, but don't worry. There's a he has like, he has a bunch of different versions, so we should still be worried. But you just beat this conqueror version without a problem, essentially. I mean, so why am I supposed to be worried about a bunch of this guy? I don't know. Um, Disney has done a horrible job at giving us any ounce of suspense for these movies, and I'm gonna say they've done that since uh, Infinity War because at the end of Infinity War, even though even though we freaking knew that half the world was not dead and that the Avengers would come back and beat Thanos at the end of infinity war. When Thanos snaps everyone and he's just kind of chilling there, there press the credits. I was people, gasping in the yeah, theater. People freak the fuck out. Me knowing the ending freak the fuck out. Mm-hmm. There is no suspense anymore. They are just feeding us half of what we don't need. So then we can go and see the film and just get maybe an ounce of what we didn't expect. They, they've just completely sucked all the oxygen out of the room. Yeah. And like, I I don't want to be, you know, I don't want my, our entire brand to be centered around hating on the MCU as some other brands, other brands I love, by the way. And I'm not going to even argue with the stuff they shit on because they're fucking right. At least we're watching these. I know people that aren't even watching these anymore. They're just like, I'm out. I'm going to hate on everything. Everything is doomed. This movie is not horrible. Well, especially if we look at the the broader scope, I think that's why I still do, even though I 
don't like a lot of the direction of, of the MCU since Endgame, and in, in many ways, I almost wish it just ended at Endgame because yeah. it would have. Then I would always have a good feeling about this thing. Whereas I feel like no matter where things go with the MCU, it's already becoming watered down, and it's probably going to become more watered down. And at the end, in twenty years, I'm probably going to look back on this with a mix of of fondness, fondness. I still and haven't disgust. watched Miss Marvel. I mean, you're not missing. Honestly, it wasn't that bad considering it's not horrible. If you consider the audience it's made for, that's that's like the least of my complaints, to be honest. It's it's not amazing. Uh, There's certainly I have issues with it. And as I discussed, all of which uh, with which are with our patrons, you can hear all my Miss Marvel reviews by joining the old Patreon. It's all there. Um, But I mean, to me, She-Hulk is much more is a much more offensive property in every way. I mean, to me, if if there's if there's a time where I go back and just look at you ever seen um, you ever seen this episode of The Simpsons where they're kind of going frame by frame and you're like and you can see the exact moment right here where Ralph Ralph Wiggum's heart breaks, where his heart breaks. This might be you might look back on me and you'll you will be able to see the exact moment uh, where I was watching She-Hulk and she fucking crawled through the Disney Plus app. And I thought I was like, I thought I fell asleep or was like, because I was falling asleep. Like I was, I had a long day that first time and this all happened. And I like half fell asleep. And I remember I woke up and asked and talked to my wife. I was like, did we watch a She-Hulk where She-Hulk left the show and talked to the writer? She's like, oh yeah, that happened. I was like, oh my God, that real, I, for, cause I literally, I was like, this is so stupid. I probably just had some fever dream that this has happened. There's no way they would really do that. And I went back and just to confirm that what I had seen was true. Whatever the show is not about She-Hulk, but my God, like that—that that is just not the fact that they did fourth wall breaking. Side rant: uh, as we review Ant-Man, we're going to review She-Hulk. The problem isn't that they do fourth wall breaking. In fact, I had no problem with the snide remarks to the camera here and there. Like that's just funny that She-Hulk esque. But if you're going to call this property a part of the MCU that affects the rest of the MCU that has Daredevil and these other characters that we're going to see in other properties, you're going to also tell me that this same character is aware that she is being written by a group of writers, including robot Kevin Feige, and then that's the actual universe. So now I'm supposed to believe that all of this is a written universe, which kind of takes me out of the whole thing. Yes, we all know it's written, but I, I don't know. They tried to out Dare- They tried to out Deadpool Deadpool with a woman. That's yes. That's, make that that's exactly make right. that be the moment that like you know kicks off the final listeners who are like there. Look the misogyny moment. But mm-hmm. like that's what they wanted to do. It's not that I have anything remotely against that, but they wanted to shove that in your face and say that you know we know that you built this franchise with characters that no one ever thought you would see in a connected universe in major blockbuster films. But now it's cool and now it's ours and we're gonna do our thing with it. And if you suck and if you don't like it, suck it up, bigot. Right. Yeah. And then I, I will be interested to see because I think Dare- Deadpool is the best example of pulling off fourth wall breaking in film. Uh, in the first two movies, like it worked perfectly uh, with Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool. I'm curious what Kevin Feige is going to do to this thing. Hopefully they just let Ryan Reynolds mostly steer the ship on this because he's he knows the character and knows how to play it off. But if they try to M- MCU this thing, I, I don't know where that's going to go. But this, this is why and this is a total side remark. We'll, we'll talk about it like in a couple of weeks. But as I've been really sitting on the James Gunn uh, DCEU I think I've come more to accept it because as I've learned how um, the DC studios is going to be, it's very much a, a tyranny. Like it is a James Gunn dictatorship. Which and could I'm be good kind, or bad. I'm kind <laughs> of, I'm kind of okay with that. 
Because a lot I'm of with the, it conceptually, because yeah. with something with a connected universe like this, I mean, phase one worked because you had a Kevin Feige. Now you we can argue phase four isn't working because you have a Kevin Feige. So this can go both ways, but you needed someone that has that is overseeing the grand vision, which we'll see. For for bad or for good, that is what James Gunn is. Yeah, and I mean he's he's a writer too. He's a writer. He's a director. Feige isn't. And that is, uh, I think, I don't know if it was Variety or Vanity Fair when they went ahead and interviewed um, James Gunn a couple months ago. You know, James Gunn basically said, you know, there's way too much studio interference. There's way too many uh, hands in the cookie jar, so to speak. And we're shoving out movies and we're filming them while the scripts aren't complete. Here, we're not going to do anything that's not complete that doesn't immediately get connected to the other properties that we're developing. And when I saw that, it's like, you know what? That's how it should be done. That's how it should be done. And as somebody that has, you know, done films for both Marvel and DC at this point, he makes a, he's got more credibility to say that than really anybody else. Indeedy, indeedy. Uh, so anyway, we'll save all that stuff. Probably our next edition of Pop in two weeks is where we'll, we'll finally be doing a little breakdown we'll, we'll of, leave of, that there. of the gun verse, so to speak. But anyway, what were we talking about? Ant-Man 3? Okay, back to Ant-Man 3. Did you think that Kang should have been the villain for this? Oh, you know, I, I guess for what they're doing with Kang, he has to be introduced across multiple properties for the storyline that they're building up with him. Um, I, I was okay with it when I heard about it. I just, I do feel like the way he was handled here kind of made him seem like not as big of a, now we can like postulate he's a bigger threat and we don't and that's the other thing we don't really know much about kang from loki we know that he ended up a version of him ends up controlling the timeline but we have to watch this movie as if we haven't seen loki i think i mean it has to stand it, on it its felt, own it felt divorced from that and yeah until the until the post credit scene and even then that would be confusing if you didn't didn't watch loki um it'd be very confusing if you hadn't seen the imagine if you just watched movies and then suddenly you're like why is why is loki in the 1890s with luke wilson think how my wife felt so the last marvel movie she watched was guardians of the galaxy volume two. Oh my god she and hasn't then, even been through end yeah and Infinity then War. she's here and she's just like i'm just happy to be here <laughs> yeah so um if Kang should have been the villain, I don't know. But if he was, I think he should have been. I'm not saying they can't defeat him in some way or like get out or maybe stop him from doing some bad thing he was going to do and have like a, a sort of Pyrrhic victory. But maybe it should have been more Pyrrhic. Maybe Ant-Man should have died. I think the reason they didn't, they didn't want to kill Ant-Man right now is because they just lost the two biggest. They just took the two biggest stars of their movies out of the franchise. Um, and I'm sure they're going to be back before we can even like blink, at least by Secret Wars, um, with Chris Evans and uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, I, I just don't see them wanting to also remove the uh, the only other actual big star outside of this they have left. So so here here's another thing I brought up during the Jim uh, uh, call, the Journey in the Mystery call. By defeating Kang and by marketing him as Avengers level as an Avengers level threat, by having Ant Man be the one to beat him, it it removes a lot of that suspense factor from the can they actually pull it off? Because if you can pull it off with the most minor Avenger, not in stature, but in terms of role and capacity and importance, that really doesn't make me see this guy as somebody who the Avengers will have a hard time defeating. Case in point. Uh, with the DCEU. Well, especially because he says, he Im- implies that he's killed Thor before. I'm like, all right, but you you lost like a fist fight to Ant-Man? That, that's <laughs> the thing. Now, now take... I, I take he, the they D- tell us how powerful he is, but we never see it. 
Exactly. And I, I take into account the uh, the DCEU as an example of how to fuck up a villain, because if we're looking at the Joss Whedon Justice League, you're telling me that Steppenwolf in the Joss Whedon Justice League is more powerful than Doomsday, who killed Superman. He's more of a threat than Ares from Wonder Woman. He's more of a, you know, world bending, you know, conqueror than even Circe or whoever the hell the witch was from Suicide Squad. And in that film, there was no point in the Joss Whedon Justice League where I thought this guy is a Justice League level threat. He is more minor in comparison to any of the solo villains that they fought. Which is why when you then see the Zack Snyder Justice League Steppenwolf, you're like, shit, this guy is a Justice League level threat. Yeah, I got with I just a, get, with just yeah. a few different scene selections and and some cooler look and a cooler look. It didn't take much to make us go, what a joke! To oh shit, this guy's badass. Exactly, and I don't get Avengers level threat with Kang. Yeah, at least no. the way they laid him out. He Why? who remains, yes. I mean, he who yes. remains. We're like, oh, this guy's controlling all the timelines. Yeah, this guy is an Avengers level threat. And I guess maybe we're supposed to look fondly back on he who remains and superimpose it onto Kang. Um, and it's it's more like we're supposed to think Kang is this huge threat, almost just because of the post credit scene, almost because the other Kangs wanted to get rid of him and, and were against him. So they're, we're they're asking to... a lot out of the audience to be that yes. forgiving, right? The other thing, uh, going back to Kang being black, I have no issue with Kang being black, but I might have an issue with Kang is supposed to be related to Reed Richards. His name is Nathaniel Richards. It's 31st century. So I feel like Reed Richards has to be black when no. they give me Reed Richards. No, no. Or there's enough centuries that pass that there's they could. There's enough centuries All that right, passed. Yeah. Okay, I'll buy that then. I'll buy that for a dollar. Mark, two generations ago, half my family was Korean. So like, <laughs> Wait, really? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. 
Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It happened, yeah. Look at you now. All right, yeah, well, fair enough. I, I guess things can change. So, all right, I'll let that, I'll, I'll I let that no one go. I got no affirmative action points. <laughs> I, will let that, I will let that one slide. Um, but, yeah, overall, on Kang, just on the Kang topic itself, I, I'm going to say as a villain... Well, the thing is, the thing is with the MCU, the villain bar was already pretty low outside of Thanos for the most part. That's always been the main criticism. Who so, is I, your, who is your favorite villain in the Phase Four? A Phase Four, because I could tell you mine because it's a tie. Who is even in Phase Four? Man, I can't. This is this tells you how like, are we counting Namor? <laughs> We're counting Namor. Maybe Namor, but I hate that. No, but I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll say my Who's top yours? three. My my top three was actually Arthur Harrow from Moon Knight. Number two was okay, the Mandarin from Shang Chi, and number three was Namor. I'm trying to even think who was the who was the villain in. Was there even a, really a villain in the Eternals? It was like a guy that was a monster that we never really <laughs> talked to. And then well, like, techni- technically, it was the writers were the villain. I think technically it was Icarus, <laughs> but Kevin Feige, yeah, I think, was the, the villain for, the villain for making that, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's not a great selection to be honest. So he might, based on Phase Four and based on the MCU, he might actually be the best villain in Phase Four. To be honest, even though he was defeated, if, and if, didn't our, come if our if our friend Caleb Franz is listening to this, he's probably screaming Norman Osborn. But I'm talking. Oh, no. About, I'm talking about people who are like really introduced to the. Well, MCU. yeah, it would be Norman Osborn if we're, if we're going yeah, that. We have, or we have to take him out of this. This movie gets shit on a lot, and you and I both agree we we liked it, even though there's plenty of things to criticize. Uh, if uh, Scarlet Witch, best villain, I, I might give her my best villain of Phase Four, but across two properties, because she was ultimately kind of the villain of WandaVision, even though she mm-hmm. kind of had a mea culpa about it. It wasn't that much of a mea culpa, and she was the one that caused the whole problem in the first place. Um, and then, yeah, obviously was full villain in Multiverse of Madness. So I'm going to go Wanda. I mean, she certainly seems scary. She doesn't seem like more of a threat than Kang. She's jumping. She can just jump to another fucking reality. Like it's no thing. Ant-Man would rolling her eyes. She would have killed Ant-Man. And she would have killed Ant-Man in two. (laughs) She would have read Richardson like in a second. All right, let's move on past Kang. What do you think of um, just Paul Rudd overall as Ant-Man? And the particular scene I want, I want your opinion on is the scene where he goes into like the quantum engine and he hits a quantum storm and there's a bunch of different Paul Rudds. That was so funny. I'm sorry. How could even as much as I have criticized Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, how could anyone not love seeing Baskin Robbins? I was going to say, dude, like Baskin Robbins Scott. I can criticize this movie entire film. Totally. Like I can criticize this movie all day long. I can even say how that was stupid and maybe be true. But my I whole family care. laughed. The whole I theater love. laughed. I, I laughed. It was funny. And look, if you're going to have Paul Rudd in a movie, you may as well let him be funny because that's his fucking thing. And that was the funniest fucking part of the movie was, was Baskin Robbins, uh, Scott Lang, and especially when he, he kind of shows up and you forget about him. Then he's climbing all the Scott Langs and there's like the last guy Go that, get him, that pulls champ. him up. I mean, that, that, that was 
stupid yes but i laughed and at the end of the day if i laugh and i enjoy it like okay you know is it ruining the character no he's already a comedy character so it's fine um i was okay with that i'm not sure how okay i am with scott just helping kang at all i mean i know he was pressured into it and it's you know to save his daughter and this and that um but uh, you know especially because you know Kang was oh no they they were together he did have her captive right I, yeah. I was th- I'm, I'm mixing her up with Michelle Pfeiffer all right um yeah we've talked about him enough Scott I think I think that like Paul Rudd is is Paul Rudd and he's being Paul Rudd in this movie and I can't hold anything against him he's doing what he's supposed to do being this comical character but again it's like I'm seeing this comical character who has no real powers except to shrink or get big get in a fist fight and defeat Kang. Yeah. Hope helped him at the end. Okay. But like that, that's my issue. And I, I I won't drive. What do you do to a horse? Oh, you beat it. I won't beat that dead horse much more, but to me, just you can't tell me Kang is the big bad, even if it's, it's really the other versions or what have you and have him be defeated. I I saw that fight scene. No different than how I saw Tony Stark and pepper Potts at the end of Iron Man three with Aldrich Killian. Like that's yeah, that but Eldritch almost, Killian isn't Kang. <laughs> I'm not yeah, supposed to think he's that big of a deal. That's how that made me feel. It's like he that was that was such a moment where it's like, oh, we have to fight the bad guy. Fast forward, throw her in there. Oh yeah, we have to have the woman save the day. In the yeah, end, of course. Well, same thing with I mean Michelle Pfeiffer, pretty much being like the warrior princess to uh, to Hank Pym's. Like all I can really do is talk to ants. Can we? Okay, that that joke that Hank made when he gets in contact with his ants. Uh, that was that was the funniest moment where he's what like, listen, I don't remember. It, it was basically he's like these ants, you know, they they create a class two, um, oh. you know, uh, you're talking about the socialism comment. Yeah, I actually thought that was funny where he's you like, thought that was a joke. That was a really Hank is a California liberal who's mm. into science and evolution and everything. Of course, he's probably extremely left wing, but how it was executed, I actually thought he was funny where he really? was like, listen, I know socialism's a charged word and they cut it off there. I could see that. That's funny. That that actually got a kick out of me, but I thought uh, we're going to disagree on that one. I mean, I wasn't triggered by it. It's like whatever, but I, I, I definitely didn't laugh at it. I, I, I laughed at, at it. it. Because I'm like, oh, now now Hank has seen this, so Hank is going to come back and and say that cows are destroying the world or some shit. I thought it was funny. Um, I think it would have been funnier if like her another character was like, come on, we all know that's that's a dumb theory. You know, if there was some kind of counter to it, but whatever, well, it's not not a big. Well, I point. thought I thought it would have been funny if if the ants had like called him God or something. <laughs> it's like thank you God, and Hank is like, listen, we're going to have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that that would have been funny. That, that would have been, been funny, a funny line. Yeah. He's like, I'm rolling. Let, let me roll with this for now. We got to do this, but you know, I thought we'll it have to talk been, about. It. I thought it would have been funny for them to like really Rick and Morty this shit and uh, have the ants like have built a statue of Hank and they see him as their creator. Well, they. I, do rick and morty this shit and just not until the post credit scene they yeah. they well, rick, well there, there, are funny. Moment, there are moments throughout it and, and maybe we should talk about like the three thousand pound elephant in the room did Which you is... expect bill murray yeah i knew he was he didn't even know he's in this i knew he was in it but like i kind of forgot and then he's in it for such a short period of time I suppose like there was a version where he was more crucial to the, the plot and came back at the end to help yeah because they kind of just scrap him fast now when he's in it he's funny yeah, he was great. Yeah. I mean, Bill Murray's always great. I'm, I'm yeah. never going to not get a twinkle in my eye when, when Bill Murray appears. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I was kind of dis- I was disappointed, if anything, that he was just so throwaway. It was like, hey, everybody, here's Bill Murray. Squash. Yeah. Adios. And yeah, that's the, it's like we're su- this is another plot point that just annoys me, which I'm sure people have mentioned all over the place is that 
hold on, hold on. She knows about Kang and knows he's a big deal. Forget the fact that she didn't mention anything in in all this time that at all. Like, okay, I get why maybe you don't mention it to everybody. You don't want to freak out your, you know, Cassie Lang or what have you. Dude, go talk to Doctor Strange. All right, go talk to someone that knows about. Re- go long. tell them this guy's fucking there How and could get out at this point. <laughs> Dude, like, come on, like that's a big deal. And then, like, okay, so maybe it makes sense that she was like. Don't go into the quantum. First of all, Cassie Lang is suddenly a quantum physicist. Physicist, whatever. I'm gonna have to let MCU, that go. MCU, they're all geniuses. Yeah, in the MCU, you have Ironheart, Cassie Lang. If you're a female, you are a genius, and you can make whatever technology you need to. Um, they're like children in the Wes Anderson movies, where they're all <laughs> smarter and more mature than the adults. Uh, but with that, like said, like she, the, remember at the end of Ant Man, uh, the end of ant-man 2 when scott goes back into the quantum realm to like do research or something and then everybody blips out shouldn't she have stopped him from doing that shouldn't she be like no there's a kang there let me tell you about that i, I don't feel like i don't i think the mcu if anything is starting to come undone by its own continuity because phase four was really fucking with that with the multiverse stuff and the variant stuff I don't think it's going to get any easier. I think a lot of rules are going to be rewritten. And I think it's going to piss a lot of people off. Probably. The good thing is, in some ways, I enjoy being pissed off at movies as much so, if not more, than I enjoy enjoying movies. Uh, So that's why I'm sort of perfect to be the one to pledge to go see all this stuff, watch all this stuff, and talk about it on this show with you. I'm just just surprised that Ant-Man gets three movies, but Black Adam can't secure a sequel. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'll I'll just say it because I'm always going to be mad about that. Okay, here's a question. We did this with Wakanda forever. Ant-Man 3 or Black Adam? What's a better movie? Black Adam. It's a better movie. Yeah. I don't know if it's true or not, but I think if I, if if someone came over right to my house right now with a, a bunch of mushrooms and said, "Which one do you want to watch?" Okay, if that was the case, I'd probably <laughs> well, watch I probably case. watch Quantumania, yeah. Here's the other problem I had. No, I probably watched. I didn't like Doctor Black Strange, Adam. but I'd rather watch Doctor Strange on that. Um, maybe it would be Doctor Strange in that case if I had mushrooms. Um, <laughs> Iron Man on acid. Yeah. But the thing is, the way that they approach everything with the quantum, it's like it's the biggest. It's it's at the same time, it, Kang is the biggest threat. At, at the same time, he's such a not a threat that he's not worth mentioning. You know, it's just it's mm-hmm. and then. He's such a big threat because all these Kangs had to banish him, and he's such a little threat that Ant Man and the Watch can can defeat him. And it's just like there's there's these like two things I'm can't supposed to say, say simultaneously about, can't believe. You say, can't you say the same thing about Sylvie killing He Who Remains? Though can't you make the same argument? Um. Well, the thing is with with the Sylvie thing, I think that to me it was clear He Who Remains was just ready to die and was just like you know it wasn't like a battle. It was just like yeah, yeah kill me. I'm ready to be done with this shit. So I didn't really have a problem with that. In that when case. you put it that way, that makes more sense. Yeah. Thank you. So that, that's what annoys me too. I had to do that. I have to do this stuff. I have to fill in the gaps. The writers don't fill in for us. Why can't writers do this? Why are the writers the ones doing this? Speaking of, since I'm already in ranty mode, we're 40 minutes in. We haven't talked about the real 3000 pound elephant in the room, the 3000 pound giant head in the room. What did you think oh about God. Modoc? That was just some was was that was that actor like under contract and this was their way of just like getting him out of it or something. Is it me? Or, it didn't even look like his face. 
I thought. No, that is the worst CGI in the MCU. Worse than She-Hulk. This is the worst CGI. This is like early 2000s Disney shit. This is yeah, just a face just- plastered on this thing. And like, I actually liked it when I first saw Modoc before they revealed the, the, yeah, like the whole thing. They face. Had kept the mask on. Yeah, but, you look no, cool but no actor can wear a mask in the MCU anymore because it cuts right. down on the runtime they could take credit for and it cuts yep. down on uh, on the amount of money they could get, which yep. is why that's no why they're always Spider Man's always got his mask off. Kyle's yep. always Cassie's always taking his mask off. Ant Man's always taking his mask off. It's Folks, like, you can thank Robert Downey Jr. for that shit. He's the one that put, he's like, I got to make more money. I'm not wearing yeah. that helmet all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I, you could take Modoc out of this movie and it makes absolutely no difference. My, le- and look, I did laugh at Modoc because he was like, there was such, there was so played for comedy there. and he looked so ridiculous that I couldn't help but laugh at it. But at the same time, when he dies, okay, I will say when he dies, I laughed at that scene. Where you're not it, supposed where to laugh Scott at a character like, dying. Well, when Scott is <laughs> when when Scott is looking at Hope, at Hope and everyone and everyone else who hasn't been around Modoc is confused. Scott is like, you know, a lot has happened today. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a long day. Um, I, I think my biggest issue with Modoc, I don't, I can get over the fact that he's the CGI is ridiculous and he's supposed to be just played up as this comedy character. What bothers me is then he becomes one of the crucial parts of defeating Kang too. when just because Cassie has this line about saying, don't be a dick. And then suddenly next time we see him, he's bursting through Kang's force field to, to, and he's like, I'm not a dick. And it's like, all right, that's force. No, he is a dick. He's always been a dick. And just because Cassie has a throwaway line to him, he's not a dick. And to the point that he wants to help defeat Kang now, I, I, that I thought that was just a, a you don't yeah. need you don't need a redemption arc for this guy, all right? No one's begging for the Darren Cross redemption arc. No one's begging that, for the Modoc redemption. It, I arc. think that's part of what made it so corny at the end when he's like, "I got to die an Avenger." <laughs> that, but that I, I laughed at that too. I will be, you know, I, I laugh at the, I can laugh at a little part of a thing and then still think the whole overall crux of it was stupid. Yeah, so that's where I go with this. Uh, what else? Uh, we kind of touched on him. Um, it's like it's the theme with these mcu movies the best part is some older actress that's actually a really good actress that probably doesn't belong in cheesy movies like this um in this case michelle pfeiffer i can't name a single michelle pfeiffer line i just like looking at her though yeah talk about aging silver race fox oh my god even my wife was like dude she's still hot she's just like elder hot i'm like yeah that's why you're my wife um she is hot and it's like it really makes me sad so sad to see all these fucking women nowadays. It started with the older women that get this weird surgery with their cheeks and they look like aliens like Madonna. Yeah. I'm so glad Michelle no one has talked because now there's young actresses doing it. We're like twenty like the actress from see the chick from Game of Thrones. I was gonna say the chick from the boys. Oh well, my god! The are, are you talking about Amelia Clark? Amelia Clark. Well, no, that's horrible. she had two brain aneurysms, so leave her alone. That, that oh, she didn't she, get I didn't know that. She filmed. I she take filmed it back now. She filmed the last season of Game of Thrones in in the midst of which she had two brain aneurysms, and that's what anything with her. Can I didn't know that. Do. I take that back. All of yeah. a sudden, she I had no weird surgeries. I, I think she, and I think she's still a fox. No, but the actress from the boys. I don't know her name. The the blonde who plays the the blonde. You know what I'm talking about? The main. Yeah, actress the one who plays Starlight. She looks so cute in that show. Aaron Moriarty. And she no longer does because she got that fucking surgery in her 20s and oh. she looks like an alien now. 
Uh. How are they going to explain that? Oh, now you're an alien? I just, it's so sad what women are doing to themselves. And Michelle Pfeiffer, of course, she's wearing makeup or what have you, but Michelle Pfeiffer is aging gracefully as fuck. Uh, my only issue, I guess, it's more MCU stuff. She's the one with balls, and uh, and Hank Pym is kind of a bitch who hides behind ants. Uh, to me, that that's a purposeful juxtaposition. But in, in terms of her own performance, dude, she was all awesome. She's the best part yeah. of this movie. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and also would. But anyway, Whoa. totally yeah. would. Uh, what else? Any any talking points you wanted to get into, and then uh, I will talk mostly about maybe where this goes and uh, the post credit scenes, and we'll we'll uh, we'll do our grades. But anything else you want to touch on first? I've got really nothing. I mean, th- this was this felt fun. This felt more. Th- this is what I'll say. This is a stupid fun movie. That's all it is. Regardless of all of our stuff, this is one. This is probably the first time in a while I have gone to see an MCU movie where I've actually like laughed and come out like with overall positive feelings about it. Um, I was not an Ant-Man fan. I didn't like the other Ant-Mans. I thought that Ant-Man could have probably ended after Endgame. But like this was done better than most, but I don't know if it's because the standards have been so low or because it was just objectively good. I would still say I'd rather see Black Adam more than Ant-Man and other stuff. But, uh, you know, if I'm going to compare franchises, but you know this this was this was a palate cleanser from the horrid horrid experience that was the phase four mill films um that that's all i'm gonna say like was it perfect no but at the end of the day if i can have fun watching a movie that's all i want and my wife had fun and she's not into this stuff at all and she also agrees that black adam should have gotten the sequel because we went to go see it in theaters like um you know i i think ant-man 3 is is a good entry so far it's not the best it's mid-range but that's not bad either if you have fun who am i to say it's a bad movie i like i had fun and i would probably watch it again i think in the end it's a it's a relatively harmlessly if at not times cheesy ant-man movie my problem with it is mainly as a kang introduction movie yes that's where i have my that's my that will be my biggest issue with this movie it should not have had kang as a villain all right, so where do you think this all goes from here? I guess we can further go into the post credit scenes, uh, the first one of which is where we see, well, we call it the Council of Kangs. It seems like they're calling it the Kang Dynasty. It's a scene where there's there's three prime Kangs, essentially, who are leading the council. Uh, one appears to, one wears this Egyptian garb, which I thought was hilarious, but somehow robot Jonathan... robot arms, too. Jonathan, what's that? He's got robot arms, too. Now, that was the Scarlet Centurion, or was that also Ramatut? I thought that was Ramatut. No, I think that's Scarlet Centurion. Oh, okay. That's Maybe I got mixed up. I could be wrong, though. I can rewatch the scene. Anyway, there's a, well, they didn't call him the Scarlet Centurion. It's not clear what that third Kang is, but it seems like it's a non-Scarlet Centurion, because he wasn't red, but he is a Centurion-seemingly type guy. Ramatut, and then the... It seems like he's kind of the lead Kang is the one that is supposed to be... Um, Immortus. Those yeah. are the, the lead Kangs, and they're calling they're calling a meeting of the Council of Kangs, I guess, to discuss. Now, how do they know? Because they're like, it's over. They the the Avengers killed that Kang. How do the how are we supposed to think they know? Do they have a, a Kang beacon? How do they know that Kang died? Remzo, explain this to me. I think they have a make way something of something up. Be, do better than the writers and make something up. I me. think they have a way of observing the sacred timeline, and when Kang was killed one of the appendages disappeared. Hmm. Which means that's one less possible outcome. You no, know, it'd be awesome if they told us that. Yeah. 
<laughs> because they didn't. And that's what that's what always frustrates me with these movies. Like, yeah, with a lot of this stuff, I can put some stuff together, but I shouldn't have to do that. That's why they have writers. They should do that for me. Someone's paid for this shit, and I'm paying them to not do the full homework. Exactly. So, um, yeah, um, I liked it and I didn't. I thought it was cool visually, and I also liked how they ended on that uh, that one panel of the fucked up looking Kang, which is like from an actual comic of the of the Council yeah, of Kang. Call like Dog Kang. Yeah, that one is yeah. fucking crazy. It, it's almost like the Kang is coming in. There was like there's like different levels of intellect of Kang, which is kind of weird because his whole thing is his intellect. But it seems like some of them were appearing and look serious. Other them are they're appearing and they're shouting and yelling like like almost like fucking just like idiots. And it's like it's but like caveman at, Kang. yeah like caveman Kang. But like at a minimum, every Kang should be like a still a super genius right because they invented all this technology and time travel stuff and like well are so- they a super genius by our standards are they or are they a super genius by the standards of the worlds in which they come from because if um, everyone both. is a caveman you don't have to be stephen hawking you just have to be the caveman who knows how to create fire so maybe they're just cavemen compared to other other yes. more advanced kings. i think there are levels of strength and intellect depending on the kings but they are all kings irregardless Okay. Much like well, all Lokis are Lokis, even if they're alligators. Well, Immortus says that he called all of the Kangs, and this is where we see like literally thousands of Kang. Did you catch? There's even a Doctor Doom Kang in there. Yeah. What? There was. A, it's very I subtle, but you it. gotta like be really. Fo- you gotta probably pause it. There's a one with a, a Doctor Doom esque armor, which is uh is comic accurate. There was a, a version of Kang, a version of Doctor Doom that was actually just Kang posing as. That is cool. I need to go. And, back and that's and something that. that'll be interesting. You know, they're about to do Secret Invasion, which will be have Skrulls posing as a bunch of different people, but uh, to, which will feature Amelia Clark, who still looks good, if you ask me. And um, but we can also see. Kangs, because that's the thing Kang has done in the comics too. He did like he did the Victor Timely thing, which you saw in the other post-credit scene. He went back, so because he can go back in time, he can become sort of other figures, as he did with as the Ramatut version as well. So I'm interested where they go with the overall Kang stuff. I just wish they scared me more with the power of this original Kang because I just can't take you seriously as the, the biggest threat in the universe when you're losing a fist fight. Now he kind of was winning the fist fight. Then hope came in, whatever. It doesn't matter. You're supposed to be fucking, you're supposed to be, you killed Thor. You told me you killed Thor in another reality, but you, but you lost to fucking Ant-Man and the Wasp. I just can't reconcile that. Yeah. I mean, it's that comparison that constantly gave me echoes of Steppenwolf. It's like if he's an Avengers level threat, he shouldn't be inferior to standalone villains that are quickly discarded. Yeah. And then in the other post credit scene is where we saw we go back to the 1890s. We see Victor Timely doing a presentation about time and how time can be used. And this is another version of Kang. Jonathan Majors in this sort of 1890s. uh scientist garb and we see in the audience it is loki and owen wilson what was his name in the movie mobius and totally mobius. mobius and mobius and mobius is like this guy doesn't seem like a big deal and he's basically like yeah he is so that, that's just a teaser for for the loki series but man would that be a confusing scene if you hadn't seen loki like that would seem to be so confusing if you hadn't seen loki yeah i i mean that was definitely one of those moments where it's just like hey remember this it matters yeah um so let's see why don't we go ahead well so where do you think all this stuff is going obviously he's going to be the the big bad in a sense but do you think we're going to see this version of kang come back again or do you think he's really dead because in comics you don't see a body they ain't dead even if you see a body they might not be dead but we didn't see a body we just got him sucked 
into the quantum machine, which I have my own theories about uh, they, what they may do with that, which are not necessarily my own, but it's based on some some rumors as well. I think Kang is more of the concept of a villain, and he's not going to be a specific individual per se. I think he's dead. I think what we're going to see is somebody who is more cutthroat than this Kang and more capable, and that's going to be the Kang who ultimately leads the Kang dynasty. So I think this version is dead. I think this is uh, setting us up for the true Kang, the true, you know, time emperor or whatever. Uh, I think that's what's what they're setting us up for. And Do you think that'll be one of the ones we saw in the post credit scene or, or a, a totally different? I don't, I, I don't think we've been introduced to him yet. I still think he's going to come. OK, well, well, we shall see. Um, my thing with the whole Kang thing, I've kind of beaten this one to death, but well, I, I think what they're going to do with this one, because we didn't see a body, you know, if they wanted him dead, dead, I think we'd see him dead, dead, but we didn't see that. So I think, you know, he got sucked. He's already in the quantum realm, so they're already super quantum. And then he got sucked further. And there's this thing in the Marvel universe called the beyond verse. And this is the part where I'm merging this, my theory with a was rumor. That, was that during, was that during Hickman's secret wars? The, uh, I think there might've been references to it in, in the, in Hickman's secret. I don't know if it's a secret wars thing. They didn't go to the beyond verse in secret wars. If that's what you're asking, but it's the thing. It has nothing to do with like the beyonder. It does have to do with the Beyonder, okay. which is what, which is where my theory is going. Because one of the rumors is that the the overall villain of Secret Wars will be a version of Kang as the Beyonder, and that would make sense in the context of I this. I could scene. see that. So, and the theory is that when he gets sucked into this quantum machine, um, he's not just he's actually going further into sub beyond the subatomic level into the beyond verse where he encounters there's in the beyond verse in the comics, there are these, there's these other creatures that give the power of the beyonder to another creature. So perhaps he either finds a way to defeat them or he convinces them, give me the power of the beyonder. And then that Kang becomes the beyonder that recreates battle world in secret wars. But, but that's, you know, down the line. I could totally see that. Indeed. So, all right, let's get to it then. Let's grade this film. Remzo. Go. And in context, did we both give Wakanda Forever a 6.5? I think we gave it a 6.5. Which, in retrospect, I feel could be high, but but anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give this a 7. That's I don't feel like I, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I could say anything more about it. Like, this is a good mid-range movies uh, movie for the MCU. And if you want to get an understanding of how we kind of ranked the MCU films, you can go back and listen to an episode from last year where Mark and I actually ranked the MCU for all the installments leading up to, I think, about Wakanda Forever. I think the last it, the last installment in that was Multiverse, Multiverse of Madness. Madness. Yeah, yeah, was the last so, one that we talked so about. So everything up to that. So And I put the Ant-Man movies, like, low. Low. This I would put probably in the teens. Interesting. I don't think I'd have it in the teens. I think it'd be in the 20s for me, which could would now include like a 30s at this point. There's probably yeah. like 34, 35. Uh, all right. Yeah, well, you I'm, include the Disney Plus shows in that. This is tough for me because I I, I can't rank it. low. I don't think I can give it a lower score than Wakanda Forever because I did enjoy it more than Wakanda Forever, which I gave a 6.5, which really I think that was too high and that should be like a 5.5 and this should really be a 6.5, but I can't re-erase history. It's already in audio. So I'm going to give us a 7 and all of my criticisms fall in moving it from a 10 to a 7. It should probably be more. It should probably be less than that. The reason I'll let it be a 7 is because I laughed a decent amount and my family enjoyed it. And at the end of the day, that's what we're here for, to enjoy these movies and at least... 
my wife wasn't complaining about this movie because she did complain about Wakanda forever being so long and having so much crying. And I was with her. I was bored and I, I was sick of the crying. And, and at least there's not much crying in this movie. There's more laughing. So at least, at least if, if anything, it's too, too comical, but at least I, it was comical in the way that I can laugh at it and enjoy it and, and not just be fucking sad the whole time, which is all, all Wakanda forever seemed to want me to do. Yeah. So I will give it a half a point more than Wakanda forever. And, uh, but there are still a mighty number of criticisms in there. I would rank, I will write. Okay, let's do this. Let's rank the Ant-Man movies. If you got to watch them all. Oh, Ant-Man, Quantumania, Ant-Man, the Wasp, and Ant-Man. All right. I am Ant-Man and the Wasp, then Ant-Man, then Ant-Man, Quantumania. Really? Yeah. But I, I, I generally enjoyed the other Ant-Man movies. So that's, and you're working from the premise I, that you didn't enjoy. Yeah. Them, so, so that's where Which we're Which I think there. says more about it. Because if you can take a character that I'm not a fan of, and make me actually think that they did a good job and that was done well. Then I think that says something about it. Well, you could say the reverse: take a character I'm a fan of and then make one make a movie that I like less. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so it's, we're it's, at the same, we're at the same place. That, yeah. Uh, but either way, we do this not for ourselves. We do this for you guys. We are here to dissect this content so you don't necessarily have to see it at least for a lot of our patrons i know a lot of that stuff a lot of the miss for me for sure the miss marvel stuff we're literally just watching this stuff so you can know what's going on hear our thoughts about it without having to actually go do it yourself which apparently uh do you know even though they're hyping this up as like the biggest movie uh, ant-man said all the no they if you, it's because of this inflation and the price of movie tickets and they're pumping the three and the 3d and the 5d and the whatever less human beings saw Ant-Man 3 on opening weekend, then saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. Can and you believe in that? week two, uh, which made less bear. money. Yeah. And in week two of being in theaters, it already got destroyed by cocaine bear. Yeah. Cause there's a big drop off. Cause now I think it seems like Marvel and the MCU has gotten its audience down to the people like us who are probably just going to go see everything. Cause we're nerds and we're into this thing and we're going to go see it bad or good. And then that's about it. Like, there's not that much. I don't think there's that many casuals. Oh, the casuals are the families that come to, to see that movie with us. They're like, I like Paul Rudd. That's like my family. They're like, I like Paul Rudd. I'll go watch this movie. I, I think. I think overall, what's going to happen is, and this is how I, I see it going into the the spring and summer season. I think that Cocaine Bear actually gets an extended theatrical run because it's already building up a cult following. I think that's going to go ahead and kill any of the loose profit that Ant Man is going to get. But. I think that next weekend it will be, well, probably probably last weekend by the time people are listening to this. I think, and my prediction will probably be right around by the time people are listening to this. I think Cocaine Bear still outdoes Ant-Man, Quantumania, but I think it immediately gets overthrown and put into the number two spot by uh, Creed 3 because you've got uh, Michael B. Jordan and you have Jonathan Majors. So I think what's going to happen is overall, Cocaine Bear will be um, overtaken by Creed 3, Ant-Man will continue to lose profit, but overall, while uh, Creed 3 might overtake it at the weekend box office, Cocaine Bear will still be the number one movie of the year. Is Jonathan Major supposed to be Mr. T's son in that? No, he's an entirely new character. Okay, I wasn't sure. I, I'm like, let's just go with everyone's the son of everybody in these movies now, because I, I haven't seen Creed 2. That's why I can't see Creed 3 Creed 2, I, I, I really like Creed 2. I like the Creed movies. I like the Rocky movies, but I really like the Creed movies. I want to so catch I'll up on all of them, but I really want my... It's like, there's one of these things where I'm like, I want to ask my wife to see Creed 2, but then I'm like, I haven't seen Creed I haven't seen Creed 3, so let's go see... So let's watch Creed 2, but she hasn't seen Creed, so we have to watch Creed first. But she hasn't seen any Rocky movies, so now it's like, to get to Creed 3, I need to get through all the... Which I love, so I would be happy to do it. The I only do. Rocky movie, if I could give like a juxtaposed, like short version for what you need to see, you need to see Rocky Four, 
you need to see Creed 2. Those are the only two movies you really need to see you to understand Creed, Creed 3. If you wanted to skip it. So uh, not even Creed it. 1 because I, I saw that. Creed 2. I saw Creed 2 with, in theaters without having seen the first Creed. I didn't see the first Creed till last year. And it's good, but it, it's not like you really need to see it because there's a lot of forced exposition in these films that kind of fill in everything for yeah. you. I mean, Creed 1 is just Black Rocky. So, but yeah, it's literally that. Which I enjoyed. Anyway, nonetheless, uh, we've talked about a variety of films along the way to talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, so tune in in a couple weeks. We'll probably be back. I think the next episode of Pop, of course, a format of the show. Every other week, we'll do SPC Pop, looking at something in the pop culture realm or the latest news or what have you in the comics industry. And then every other week, we'll be doing Reissued, where we look at more specific, the, the, sort of the classic SPC format. And of course, you get early access to all this stuff, including a bunch of bonus content from me, Tales from the Fucker Pile, Case of the Runs, looking at Jeff Johns, JSA, still soldiering through that awesome, awesome series. Uh, that. While Remzo gives you his rants, Remzo versus the DCEU. Maybe we'll have Uncle Brody back soon. There's a lot going on back there. And all that can be yours for as little as $5 a month. Patreon.com slash Second Print Pod. With that being said, Remzo, would you like to sign us off here? Folks, if there's one thing you can do, other than probably streaming this film on Disney Plus later, you can go ahead and remember in your heart of heart, that if nothing else is true, this is it's read comics and change the world. Change the world. Good night, America. Adios. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.